Welcome to Behind the Sale. I'm your host, Princess B. On this show, we talk about sales and leadership in the high ticket space. My goal is to help you level up your skills as a leader so you can close more deals and transform more lives. Today, we have Toyin St. Hilaire on the show. He's going to share how to position yourself as an expert, how to pre-handle some of the most frustrating objections, and how to handle the objection that has even had me stumped for a while, the uh, I want to speak to the business owner smokescreen. You are in for a treat. If you want to learn how Toyin's able to get consistent objectionless closes on $50,000 plus deals, then stay tuned. Today we have Toyin St. Hilaire on the show. For those who don't know who he is, he is a uh, an excellent closer in the high ticket space. He's out here just slinging six-figure deals without sales training for the most part, been at it for years, right? So in my eyes, you are like a, a unicorn in this space. So please introduce yourself for the masses. I'm Toyin, I'm 35. I sell a done-for-you property investment service. So it's a 50K investment. I've been selling this product for the last five years now. And I've sold around 90 million pounds worth of uh, property, which has generated around anywhere from three to four million in fees uh, for the company uh, per year for, for, for the company. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Casually. No big deal. Um, <laughs> so uh, how did you how did you get started in this? Because I I know you you probably you grew with the company, right? Mm, From the ground yeah. up. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, share how you got started. And then I want to learn more about like what that experience was like growing with them. Sure. So when I came to the company, they were around like six staff and they were doing anywhere from say 25K to 50K per month. And then I was pretty much the only salesperson made some tweaks, essentially went from being a company that had a property where you went and found a buyer to then more of a high ticket closing model where you close the the buyer and then go and find them proper. And then that is what took us from here to here. And then now we've got 32 staff. So, so you started with them, like, was it the very early stages when they were like a startup? So they'd been going for around four or five years at the time oh, okay. when, when I joined. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was essentially just the directors, the director's mm -hmm. PA and um, some support staff. But I was the only salesperson. Ah, OK. What was that like being the first uh, salesperson? Because a lot of people do ask me what my opinion is on that, like whether or not it's a good idea to start as the first mm. one, because there's no you know, track record. OTE is kind of like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, so um, what, what's your take on that? So I think it's got positives and negatives depending on who the company is, of course. So for me, like they had a good thing going and I just believed in the directors. I knew that they were onto something and I knew that they were people that I wanted to work with. And for me, I can definitely say that I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now if I'd have came into the company a bit later on. Um, so it was great to have all of the leads, for example, and it was great to like pioneer that product and um, just sort of do my own thing. 
And we kind of went from the old model to the model that we're at now by accident. So it's definitely been good. But in answer to your question, in terms of what it was like, it was extremely nerve wracking because this was my first sort of high ticket offer that I've sold. Like before this, I sold boilers, I sold broadband, I sold, you know, very low level stuff. And I thought, no way am I going to get on the phone or on a Zoom call and get someone to commit to buying, you know, 120K property without seeing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just had to back myself and think, yeah, I can do it. The worst that's going to happen is it's not going to work out. And then I remember landing my first ever deal and I thought, yeah, I can do this. And then, yeah, the confidence came from from there. So did you have to fake it till you make it? Yeah. Or, yeah, okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean let's face it as salespeople we're, we're leading people right mm -hmm. and at first I used to think you know who am I to lead this person who's got enough money to buy a house in cash when I don't have 100k in my bank account this person has made such better choices in life than me you know who am I to lead them but I had to just snap out of that and um and just learn to lead but yeah essentially I had to fake it so I made it did a lot of research, a lot of YouTube videos, TikToks, uh, reading books, things like that. And then I just learned from just actually just doing the job. I mean, you know, you learn to drive once you've passed your test, don't you? Mm, yeah. So. Wow. So how, I'm curious, how long did it take before you felt like, okay, I'm actually decent at this? About a year. About a year. Yeah. Okay, people, you hear that? Yeah. So, so many people come into this space thinking like 90 days is like, you're going to crush it, make six figures. Like it's, it's this wild phenomenon in this space. Um, so yeah. yeah, a year, that's solid. Something that I think makes a, a big difference on the calls too, is like that expert positioning, even mm. if you don't feel it a hundred percent yet. So that goes a long way. People, when they get on a call with you, they don't necessarily know right, like that you're an expert, right? So what are some of the things that you do or say to position yourself as an expert on your calls? So right now I have a nine minute loom video that I send to the prospects before the call. And it's me talking through how we work, giving a lot of uh, knowledge on property. But I do also mention in there that I've sold over 600 deals now. And they've seen photos of me public speaking, like delivering seminars and things like that. So they know before the call, like this is the guy, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And also I think it's about the appointment setter as well. The appointment setter has to pedestalize you. Basically, they should think that to be able to get that call with you is a big deal, you know, um, otherwise it doesn't have as much value and you're not really in a position to be able to, to lead them, uh, especially when it gets to the objection handling. But for people that would be completely new to a role like this, um, in terms of positioning themselves as an expert, I suppose all they can do really is lean on uh, the knowledge that they have, you know, and display that knowledge on the call. I've obviously built my record up, if that makes sense. There was a time where they saw a video saying that I'd sold 300 deals. There was a time when I'd sold 100, you know. But ultimately, they've came to that call because you're the expert and not them. So as long as you just have the confidence, then that should just take you through anyway. A hundred percent. So you mentioned appointment setting because that's a, a mm. big piece of that as well. What are some of the changes that you've made recently to bring people to the call ready mm. to take action? Training my setter on North Star. 
Uh, for those who don't know what North Star is, it's a, a incredible framework um, from my mentor and your mentor as well, Princess. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so essentially, people are leaving that call. I mean, number one, they're knowing that the call that they're going to have with me is a decision-making call and not a 45-minute uh, infomercial. And also, we're just getting the goal from them. You know, what is their goal? How long have they been trying to get to that? What stopped them from um, achieving that goal or from, you know, taking any action on it? Mm -hmm. And what's the reason they want to do something about this now? You know, what's moved them out of that information gathering phase into the taking action phase, you know? Yeah. So that's been that's been the main sort of needle mover. So now people are not showing up to the calls, um, just expecting to get, you know, information, essentially. Yeah, and that's so important, especially with offers like this, where there is a lot of research that, you know, they should mm -hmm. probably do before they speak to you, right? Because it's a big investment. It's not like they're just investing in a, a course, you know, like it's sure, sure. property, you know? Mm -hmm. Um so something else too, there's another a big objection that a lot of people deal with. Um, so you helped me with this a couple of weeks ago and I was so happy. <laughs> like you, It like shattered my brain around this objection. Um, I'd love for you to share it with the audience because it's hot fire. And so, so the thing a lot of us struggle with is when people say that they need to speak to the influencer or the business owner before moving forward, how do you handle that? Okay. Do you want me to tell you what I would say to them or do you want me to say it as if I'm saying it to you? Yeah. Say it to me like I'm the prospect. Sure. So no problem, princess. I can understand that. Now, everyone that's been through this service, they were so committed to achieving their goal that they didn't need to do that. Now, if you're looking to work with a company that have maybe only sold a handful of property deals and maybe worked with a little less people that might have the bandwidth to arrange that for you, then, you know, maybe we're not the company for you. But if you're wanting to work with a company that have got a 13-year track record, then, you know, then you can work with us. Now, what we've found is if people want to speak to Jamie, which is the influencer, uh, something's holding them back and it's not speaking to Jamie. So what is it? And then usually at that point, they'll reveal the real objection and I can then overcome that. Okay. So, yeah. It's not always worded exactly like that, of course. Um, it's a bit smoother than that. Um, might not work for other people. It works nine times out of 10 for me. I love that subtle framing in the beginning. It was not, it's not really subtle, but it kind of is. The way you said it, it didn't come off offensive, but maybe if you read it on paper, it would come off different where you say, well, if you want to work with a smaller company, then we're probably not the ones for you. Like if yeah. you, basically, if you want to work with a company that has the time, for yeah. the, the business owner to meet with you, then maybe this is not the one. It's absolutely, like, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the time to meet with them, but also if you want to work with a company that need to do that to, to get clients on, you know, we've got a lot of credibility. We've got the highest score on trust pilot for a company like this. You know, we, we don't need to do that. And no client that was committed enough needed to do that either. So if we had maybe two or three people per week, asking that then maybe that's something we need to not look into a, a range but maybe they'd have a sort of valid point but the fact that it's so rare that they ask that and no one who's ever paid has needed that tells me that we don't need to change anything so yeah that's an awesome way to make them feel silly for even asking that question and yeah. that's also the beauty of 
you know, being on an account where you do have that social proof, you do have that track record and you get to carry that confidence with you. I love mm. that. And I'm fortunate enough that a lot of that track track record has been from me, you know, mm -hmm. like they, if they look through the reviews or they look through the influencers, YouTube channel, like I'm in the background on a lot of these videos from, you know, years ago. So they sort of think, okay, well, yeah, they, they must be legit, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for the people who are not necessarily in this position where they have been a part of that growth and they do, you know, someone who's basically not on an account like this, I'm mm. curious, do you have any advice as to how to manage this objection? Um, if maybe the company is a little bit newer, um, yeah, is there a way around it? Ooh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. I'd have to really put some work in to figure out what I would do in that situation. However, I think from the closer's point of view, if that company doesn't have testimonials, a track record, not necessarily the length of time, but a good amount of testimonials, then is that really the right offer that they should be on if they don't have the reputation and the reviews and the results? You know, so that's a different angle I'd sort of look at it, uh, look at it from. Um, however, what I would do is I would lean in on more towards the reason they came to the call in the first place. If, if they need to speak to the influencer, um, I mean, surely they wouldn't have spent 45 minutes on a Zoom call with you if they thought that this was some sort of scam. And again, whether it's I need to speak to the influencer, I need to speak to one of your customers. I would still go down the route of, look, none of the people that have came through this program have, have needed that. And I would question their commitment to it. I would use an analogy of maybe, I don't know, when they went to a bank and took out a mortgage, did they need to meet the director of that bank, you know, um, or, so <laughs> or, or, or another analogy of when they did something new, like another form of going to a new company, a new restaurant or something, I don't know um that that's the route i would go down yeah so i'd have to think of an analogy that makes sense for that but yeah so to answer the question i would just think of an analogy for it uh lean on leaning on their commitment um to achieving the goal that's what i'd do yeah i love so, that long-winded answer no that's that's good because it's really it just comes down to putting it back on the person first yeah. getting clear on like okay what is this is this fear of us like you do you really think we are a scam and then making them feel silly because they just spent like an hour with you. Um, and then mm. like, once you get clear on what really is that's behind the question, then you can just handle that by putting the commitment on them. Right. Absolutely. And when I found, um, you know, Bill, our mentor, mm -hmm. I hadn't heard of Bill even two days before that, mm -hmm. you know, wow. yeah. yeah, I'd never, never heard of him. I wasn't even, I was just looking through reels on Instagram, I watched one reel and I booked the call because I knew, right, this is the guy. I didn't really care about track record. I just knew that this guy had what I needed. Sometimes I feel like as sales professionals, we're kind of a different breed though. Like we're kind of mm -hmm. easy sales. I don't know. Do you agree? Oh, I, I was a hard sale for, for James. Yeah. If he ever oh, watches yeah. this, if he ever watches this, he'll agree. Cause I was definitely in a different position mentally um at that at that point you know um and i threw every objection at him every objection you can think of every smoke screen and it was it was just fear and he took me through the the framework got to the fear went after my commitment and made me pay and, wow. and i'm glad he did yeah what what has changed for you since training with uh bill and the objection box 
I'm not shy about like, you know, talking about how awesome the objection box is, by the way, because it's it like the training changed my life. And so Same. I'm curious. Yeah. So what's changed is I've gone from a 15 to 17% close rate to, I mean, at the moment for this month, I'm like 47%. And I've, I've never had that. That's including people who were disqualified, people who just do not have the money to buy a house and things like that. But if I was to put it down to one thing that has really moved the needle, it's that I've given myself permission to lead people. Wow. You know, I've given myself permission to look at this, you know, man or woman in front of me who's got 200K in the bank and they've made all these amazing decisions and, you know, look them in the eye and ask them, you know, do you really want to make this transition to being a full-time property entrepreneur? You know, you tell me why um, you should be able to work with us, mm. you know? Whereas I couldn't do that before. And I was focusing purely on uh, property investment knowledge. You know, my conversations used to be purely about property investment. My call used to be, here's what we do. And that took like 45 minutes. And then objection handling. But I was handling the objections with data and numbers. And it turned into, you know, what Bill would call a ding dong. Yeah. Whereas, whereas now the loom video that they get is that 45 minute pitch I used to do, but condensed into 10 minutes. And the conversations that I have now almost have nothing to do with proper at all. So what are they about now? They're about their goals, their fears, their families, um, past failures. They're about how they're going to feel if they don't do this. They're about what their future looks like if they don't do this, what their kids' lives are going to be like if they don't do this, how that's going to make them feel. Wow. That That's what it's about. And then the section now where I talk about the product is like this big. That's how it should be, right? Like if your pitch is like super long, you're going to lose the person because the call, it's not about the pitch. You know, mm. the, the prospect coming onto the call, they might think it's they're coming to get pitched, but it's like, you have another thing coming, my friend. I am here to yeah. help you, not pitch you. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And something that happens on almost every call, especially with, you know, strong personalities is they come onto the call trying to control it. They just want to talk about, you know, the product and everything. And a line I've started saying to almost every person is, look, we're not going to talk about the diet plan and how many sit-ups you're going to have to do unless you actually want to get the body. There's no point talking about that, you know? And a lot of them still push back. Now I want to know this. I want to know that. And I said, look, it's really simple. Are you happy investing 50K? Yes. Are you happy if in 10 years time, that is 150K? Yes. I said, okay. If in the middle of those two things, you have to do 10 star jumps a day, would you do it? They laugh. They say, yes. I say, why would you do it? They get confused. So you, you, you would do it because you want the result. So me telling you the middle part of exactly how this works isn't going to determine whether you want to do it or not. So let's talk through that first. And 99% of the times, okay, no, I completely get it. I get it. Okay, fine. And then they'll sit back and then, you know, let me take control of the conversation. Wow. Yeah, this is juicy. Um, I want to reiterate this because this is so important. The pitch is just a formality. Mm -hmm. We're just going to like give them a little taste. Like, yeah, this is the vehicle just so they have an idea of what they're getting into. But like, it's just a formality as long as we feel like what we have can actually help them achieve their goals. The conversation, that's what so many people, especially new people, they think it's about like selling. <laughs> and it's like, when we say like selling is serving, 
that's why we go so deep, right? And that's why we've got to shift the conversation into like, really like, I want to make sure that you actually do want that body, whether you, t- you self-fitness yeah. or not, whatever it is, that goal. Yeah. It's like, let's, let's talk about that, you know? Absolutely. And I think that where that comes from, like people who are selling based on features and benefits and things like that is a mindset that people will do it if they want to do it and they won't do it if they won't want to do it, no matter what I say. I think people who are pitching features and benefits, that's what they think. Like they don't actually realize, no, the difference in how many people you're going to, you're going to close or not is huge. And that depends on if you're able to take them through that journey or not, you know, in terms of what, what is their goal? Um, what's their life going to be like if they achieve that goal? What's their life going to be like if they don't achieve that goal? And then getting those mini commitments throughout the call. And also, you know, really important, um, part of the call is that part where you're challenging them on why haven't they done anything about this yet? Yes. Can we talk about it, Toyin? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because these are the conversations people don't have with themselves. And that's why like we've got to be the ones to lead them and point the conversation in that direction. It's like, okay, so you've been wanting to achieve this goal for two years. Why haven't you yet? Yeah. Because a lot of times it's not some super legitimate reason why it's usually they're getting in their way it's usually they're mm-hmm. scared to yeah. actually make a change and so as they're as the person who's here to help them we've got to put like nudge them in the direction to make the change happen so they can finally have the results they want that's the sauce right <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and i think if you don't challenge them on that and you accept wishy-washy answers then you're not going to get the sale this is the thing. Yeah. Whenever I look back at my old call recordings of, you know, even since I've implemented these new frameworks, the people that I didn't close, if I'm honest with myself about why that was, it's because I didn't challenge them. And I was too much of their friend, too much of a coach, too much of a property guy rather than a leader. Same thing here. Like when I look back at my calls that I didn't close and for whatever, like, it's like, I look back and they'll say something like, oh yeah, I've been wanting to do this for three years. And I go, okay. And then I ask the next question. It's like, time out, time out. It's not okay. Mm. It's not okay. It's been years. What's going on? Mm. Mm. And when you come from this place of being genuinely concerned for every single person, like, hold on, this is not okay. Cause that person has gone on probably a bunch of calls to try to get information. And the person's like, okay, okay. And they just follow their process without actually connecting And so once we break that cycle for them, that's the thing that makes them see like, wow, this company, this person actually cares about me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And something else um, that I've implemented from a a call that I missed, but a post that I saw uh, in in the group from uh, Nick Schroeder. Well, someone was posting about something that Nick said is like a transition for him. So I now talk a lot about look, you know, we're trying to transition people here from this into this, and this is what it's going to take. Like, is that the transition you're looking to, to make here? And if they don't give me confirmation of that, like I do not pass go, you know, I don't care how many times I have to reframe that question. I'm getting them to recognize that they're going to have to change their mindset. They're going to have to adopt new decision-making processes compared to what they've had before. And if they don't confirm that they're open to that, they're never going to all of a sudden do this really strange thing, which is hand over 11,000 pounds on a zoom call to then buy a house that they're never going to see. 
it, yeah. And if the person is uh, resistant in that part of the call, mm -hmm. uh, you can use that analogy that you mentioned about, well, I don't need to go into the diet plan or, or the workouts if you don't truly, if you're not ready to make a change to have that body that you want. Absolutely. And another way that they are, uh, they get defensive is around, um, well, I don't, you know, I don't know the exact details on how it works because there is a lot of things to, to think about is I ask them again, credit to, to bill for this and what one of the old calls say, look, you know, when you get on a plane, you get on the plane because you know that you're going to get to the destination, but you've got no idea how the engine works in the plane, you know, yeah. and mm -hmm. You know, using the plane analogy, do you believe that Jamie, again, the influencer, is fit to be the pilot for that plane? And he's got me as the co-pilot. I've sold 600 deals. Yeah, okay, so you just need to know that the plane's going to get you there. Then you don't need to understand every single detail. And for you to understand every single detail, you'd have to come and work here for years. Yes. You know? I want to, like, oh, let me just poetic snaps here. Because seriously, like, I want to highlight this for the listener because you're just casually dropping gems here. And I think people who are on similar offers like yours, where it's, there's a lot of logistics around it. So like yeah. real estate offers or um, business growth offers or whatever, like people get too in the weeds with it. It's like, it doesn't Absolutely. matter. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's that. So that airplane analogy is really great. Like when you get on a plane. Do you need to know how the engine works? No, right? You just trust that that plane will actually get you to your destination, right? So do you trust that from what I've walked you through today that we can get you to that destination? Yes or no? That's that on that. That's yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. That's so huge. Yeah. And and the fitness analogy with the, sorry, fitness, the, the star jumps thing. This is why I do that before going into the pitch, like no matter how the call's gone, because I need to get that into their head that oh. if what they're looking to do is have every bit of information and understand every bit of information to move forward then that's not going to happen it's not it would take years for them for that to happen basically um so yeah that's why that's why i do that yeah that's really good i've never thought to actually pre-frame that regardless of like whether or not i got a red flag for it um well i think on my on my accounts I feel like that's not a thing but if someone if you are on a similar offer fellow listener I think that's a good idea to actually pre-frame that yeah 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 another one that I pre-frame depending on what they've said in the North Star is when they're talking about look I'm speaking to lots of different companies you know because it's it's a minimum of a 50k uh investment and you know it's a it's an objection that I used to really struggle to overcome at the end so if they give any hint that that's their mindset again i do not pass go until i've covered that completely you know so i essentially ask them look you know that computer that you're on right now you know when you found that computer did you look for any more computers no mm -hmm. okay why was that well because i was happy with the computer exactly so if what i talk you through today you're happy with there's no need to speak to any other companies is there so you, know? you do that before you pitch you're saying yeah, I do, I, do, I do that before the pitch. If they've said anything like okay. that's, you know, hinting towards that I'm speaking to loads of companies, I have been for the last three years, you know, that that's the sort of thing that I say to them. And I also say to them, look, would it be fair to say that the reason you haven't moved forward with anything is because you've not had anyone hold you accountable and put their arm around you and say, look, come on, let's let's do it, basically, you know? 
That's really good. That's a different perspective because I'm used to just having to handle it on the back end when it comes, you know, but that's, that's actually a really good idea to pre-handle that too. Yeah. Okay. The the, the same goes with, if it's like, well, I'm thinking about property, I'm thinking about crypto. I'll very directly ask them. So what was it made you, what was it that made you decide on property then? Because if you haven't decided on property, we're not going further. Oh. Yeah. So a lot of my, in fact, all of my clauses now for the past couple of weeks have been, you know, objectionless. Stop. Yeah. And and that, that actually had a negative effect on my confidence for a little bit because that made me think that I'm only closing lay down sales. Right. But then I realized, no, that's not what's happening. I'm just doing the front of the call correctly and preventing Mm -hmm. the objections. Good stuff. Oh my goodness. I, I want to um, shift gears here. I'm curious about something because mm-hmm. you're, you're dominating right now and you really are like a unicorn to me in this space because you didn't like have formal sales training to begin with. Um, so I'm curious, like what's, what's something you do outside of sales that positively impacts your performance. So like outside of like sales training. Honestly, just enjoying sales so much and finding sales so interesting the any downtime I've got, which is very little, like I'm just watching sales calls. I'm watching Stop. I'm watching podcasts, I'm watching the training, you know, like I, I do it for fun. Yeah. You know, like I genuinely find it interesting. I've always found like psychology and you know social dynamics and everything interesting. So I think you've got to be obsessed with this. I think Bill said on one of our sessions before it should be weird how much you know about sales you're freaking me out right now because you're you're kind of like a, the male version of me because that's that's exactly what i would say i would that's why i kind of pre-framed it by saying outside of sales training but like for me like i don't do anything outside of sales training like i'm <laughs> trying to like make myself run and do like little things like that but like that's my life so i i respect that and i i love to connect with people who are also um obsessed like me because um not it's not a lot of us out there i feel for me what i say is i look at sales as it's my olympic sport whatever yeah. if you were in in the olympics if you're training for that like you would train non-stop right so if you want to get really good Olymp- olympian level good then you've got to be obsessed that's the only way so i love that absolutely absolutely and and you know people will say that it's extreme but the amount of money we're trying to make is extreme. So you're trying to get an extreme outcome. So you have to behave in an extreme way to, to do that. And you've got to make sacrifices, you know? So I've, I've completely sacrificed anything to do with fitness. For example, you mentioned running just then. I made a decision that I'm just going to not bother with that. I'm just going to get as good at sales as I possibly can to put myself in a position so that I then can focus on my fitness. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to go about it too. Um, I think for me, like I, I started trying to incorporate fitness again. I just kind of stopped everything, and now I'm like, okay, like I, I want to, I, I want something that that I can can do to clear my head and just something else, you know. Um, mm. So yeah, but I, I feel you on that. That's all. I think preventing burnout is definitely important. Like rest is productive, you know, but let's face it, a lot of salespeople, they're in sales for a reason, you know, they're maybe trying to prove something to themselves or to, to someone else. 
And sales is one of those things that you get a direct result of what you put into it. So it can be addictive as well. Because let's face it, when we get a sale, I don't know what your sales cycle is like, but I don't get paid for like six months, right? From when I get a sale because they've got to buy the property. Yeah, yeah. So Whoa. I'm getting. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out. I did not <laughs> know that. Yeah, yeah. Six months? I've yeah. never heard of that before in the high ticket space. Yeah, yeah. Because they pay the, the fee, but then we've got to find them the house that can take like up to three months. And then the house has then got to complete with the mortgage and everything. So usually it's an average of six months. So Okay. Now I feel like we need to like digress and do a masterclass on what like patience, how, <laughs> like I've, I know eventually it stacks up because like, as you close more deals, the time goes by, but mm -hmm. how patience, is that a thing that you have to exercise? How do you, what? <laughs> well, well, so th this is the thing. What motivates me, it might sound a little bit weird, but when I get, I see it almost like a game, you know, and when I get a sale, let's be honest, the reason we feel good from getting a sale is because you overcame that person, not yeah. because of the, not because of the money that, that you just made. Let me rephrase that. You've helped that person, mm -hmm. you know, you've helped that person get out of their own way. You've helped them get out of the, you've helped them overcome the reason they haven't done anything about this for years. So I think that that's what feels uh, really good but in terms of the patience thing uh, I just accepted that's just what it was like and that the money was worth it and it is nice having a huge pipeline that I know is going to be there for at least six months you know so I'll never be in a position if for some reason lead flow wasn't there or something like that uh, where I wouldn't be making good money like I'd have to have a bad six months for it to run out essentially oh yeah that's a good way to look at it too so it's all about reframing reframing ourselves too yeah, because I feel like yeah. someone else would look at that and be like, nope, nope, I'm not signing up for that because a lot of people get into it for the immediate gratification. Mm. Um, but you could still. But the thing is, the immediate gratification is not in the money. It's in. Yeah, you 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 helped over someone overcome themselves. That's what it is. That's mm. beautiful. You so you're even more of a unicorn now because I didn't even know that on the subject of um, delayed gratification. So that is something I have to deal with a lot on the calls as well, because I'm not selling a coaching offer or something where they are going to get 10 K a month, you know, they're mm. going to triple their money, but it's going to take 10 years, you know, it's going to take 10 years. And that's a lot of the objections I get like, Oh, I'm not going to become a millionaire straight away. And you know, I've got objection overcomes for that. It's like, Oh, if that's what property does, then why would I be sat here? You know, it takes time. And if you're not willing to, wait six months to make 15k a month then how committed are you to making 15k a month yeah again another reframe it's like geez so many gems here this is brilliant um <laughs> let's let's casually roll into my rapid fire question segment okay, okay? here we go um so yes uh, answer with the first thing that comes to mind don't overthink cool. it okay in three words, what do you think makes your sales style unique? Patience, leadership. I'm struggling to think of a third one here. Makes it unique. Oh, I'm struggling. I'm really struggling with that. I can't think of a third one. 
Okay. So patience and what was it? Leadership you said? Yeah. I mean, those are powerful. Like, I mean, that's really all you need. What's the most, I guess, challenging part of closing these higher ticket deals? Just the fact that they are so higher ticket, you know, these people have never spent that amount of money on a zoom call, you know, after 45 minutes. And then even after the money, they've then got to buy a house that they're never going to see. And that is just so alien to them. But I guess looking at it from a different point of view, like let's say it was a coaching program or something like that, but it was, you know, but it was, um, you know, an 11 K down payment, but, it, but it's eventually 50 K um, shifting their mindset essentially, which is why I use that transition frame. Now it's just a huge shift in mindset for them. Um, so again, I just explained to them, look, you've made the right choices. You've gone from here to here, but you're now wanting to go to, you know, up here. So you're going to have to become a completely different person who has a new attitude to risk and investment and price versus value as well. Price versus value, you know, because yeah. that, that comes up a lot as well. You know, they just want to know what's the price, what's the price, what's the price. And I'm just like, look, if you're concerned about the price, then we're definitely not the company for you. You know, have you got a family? Yeah. Okay. If you had your family in the car and you had to slam on the brakes, would you wish that you had cheap brakes or good brakes? You know, they usually say good brakes. And Preach. I say, I say, look, you know, well, this, this is a, a vehicle of a different type that is also there to protect your family. So you don't want anything cheap about your property journey. What's the most important thing to you? Credit to James for this. Um, you were on the call as well, actually. Um, you know, is property a game of just ones and zeros for you? Um, or is it important to work with the company that have got the best track record and they're going to get you to result to your result as safely as possible? Like which one's more important to you? And if, again, if they try to give me a wishy-washy answer to that, I'm like, nope, we're going binary here. Like you're going to tell me which one it is. If it's the price one, we're definitely not for you. You want to go with a cheaper company that have only worked with a handful of people. Oh, that's a fine. Go, go with them. Like we know we're good at what we do and we can charge what we charge. So I've just digressed um, a bit there, but yeah. Yeah. I'm loving your abundance energy. I'm loving it. Are you feeling it? Like I'm feeling heavy abundance mindset here. And that's so important to carry with you, like whether or not it really is a thing on your offer, like it, you have it for real. But even if someone's offer, like maybe lead flow is a little bit slower, like take this energy siphon it and take it with you on your calls okay so that way you can tell people straight up like maybe this isn't for you because at the end of the day you're still helping them if you push them away so absolutely absolutely and the other thing is that for me it's not just about them making the payment they really do have to be committed to this and see this through for the next six months because there's going to be bumps in the road like we might find some mold in the property the refurb might be slightly higher than what we thought it was going to be. There might be a tenant that doesn't pay on time, you know, things that no one can control. And I need to make sure that we're only working with people who are not going to freak out when that happens. And I actually yeah. explained to them, I even say there's a part in the call where I say, look, if you're wondering why I'm asking you all these strange questions, like this is why, you know, this is not about you just paying the fee today. And that's the first hint that I drop that you're paying the fee today, you know? In fact, it's not the first hint, it's the second hint, because as soon as I get on the call, um, I explained to them that I thought I was going to be late for this call because the last guy's card kept declining. Mm. 
So I let them Very know subtle. That the, the whole the whole point of this call is to take a payment. So if they yeah. freak out at that point and say, whoa, card, what payment, what, what, then I know that I need to handle that first. That is gold. Okay, we're like, this is supposed to be rapid fire, but this is so good. I'm loving this. Next question. What's your North Star? Like, why did you get into sales? Well, um, the honest answer to that is, I mean, I was 15 when I got into sales oh, and wow. I didn't, I didn't have a North star. So do, do you want to hear the story about how I got into sales? Uh, yes, please. I was, um, just in town in say hanging around with my friends, skateboarding and stuff. And we bumped into a friend and I said, I'm going to work. And we were all like, what, you've got a job. Cause here you usually get your first job when you're 16 but you get your national insurance number when you're 15. So technically you're allowed to work, right? So anyway, and he said, yeah, I've got a job. It's um, telesales is what we call it, you know, phone sales. And I just randomly said, oh, can you get me a job? And he says, oh, why don't you walk up with me and ask him if you can get a job? And then next thing you know, that day I'm on the phone. Like I've walked into the office. It was a mortgage um, refinance company and what we were doing was cold calling people saying, look, we're doing some market research on mortgages. Can I ask you some questions? And well, it was now what I, what I now know is called appointment setting. And I was making like 300 pounds a month, which back then to put it into context, you know, it's a long time ago. I'm, I'm not that young. Um, that was like what you would pay for rent for like a three bed house. So it was a lot of money for a 15 year old, you know, and then it was the company shut down and I was trying to get a new job. So I went for sales because that was the experience that I had, but I never had a plan if I want to get into sales. I never knew that commission was a thing. Um, and I never thought I was going to be good at it, but something clicked and I was just good at it and I enjoyed it. And it's just what I've done ever since. There was never any goal of, you know, I want to make a load of money or anything like that. It was just purely by chance that I bumped into my friend that day. And he had a job and then I walked up and they said, you know, are you good on the phone? I said, I've never had a job before. I said, do you want to give it a try? They made me fill out a form and they put me straight on the phone and that was it. That's amazing that they even gave you a chance. And that I feel like this has something to do with why you are so patient because you never went into it for the money in the first place. Yeah, that's true. So let's let's wrap up with a really cool uh, thing I thought of uh, last night. I was like, let's do rapid fire objection handling. Oh, now, no. what I mean is, I know I'm going to put you on the spot like hardcore. So okay. um, disclaimer, this goes against everything we're taught about objection handling, meaning you're supposed to go slow, take your time and really connect with the person. But what mm. I want to do is challenge you to objection handle me in 2x speed so it doesn't give you time to think so you gotta just respond <laughs> fast okay oh no okay <laughs> i've not okay. taken you through the framework thus i've got no ammo to objection handle so make it up make okay. it up <laughs> okay fine fine i'll just throw my first objection at you okay cool okay yeah this sounds really great this is really awesome um i just need some time to think about it yeah that's fine can i ask do you feel like we can get you to 10k a month or how do you feel yeah, no, I, I think this is great. It's awesome. I just need to take some time. I don't just jump into things like that. Sure. And why do you feel like that? Why do you feel like this is awesome? This is great. Yeah. I mean, you guys are professionals. You're experts. You've been in this in the game for a while. So I trust you guys. Cool. And so what is it that's coming up for you then that makes you feel like you need to take some time and think about it? Oh, it's just a big investment. I'm not going to just drop 11,000 pounds on, on the call. Like, that's crazy. So yeah, I'll just um, send you an email when I'm ready. 
Sure. And money aside, like, do you feel like this will definitely work for you? Yeah, 100%. You guys are the experts. Yeah. So I just yeah. need to, you know, sleep on it and get back to you on another day. Sure. And if the 11K was to be just dropped in your lap right now, would you do it? Um, If it was someone else's money, uh, I guess so, yeah. Why would you do it? Well, because then I, I don't have anything to lose. Sure. So when you say it's the money, is it just a case of that you need to go and find the money or is it a case of that you don't know if you can get it in the first place? Like what, what's that about? No, I have the money. I just don't want to invest it on the spot. You know, I don't want to be impulsive. You don't want to be impulsive. Is this really an impulsive decision when you've been looking into doing this for five years? Well, I guess you have a point there, but um, I don't know. I just, it's, I don't, I just want to make sure I'm investing in the right company. Sure. And do you feel like we are the right company? You've already mentioned that, you know, that this will work. Yeah, I feel like you are. I'll probably, I'm 90% in. I just want to sleep on it first. Sure. What's the 10%? The 10% is that in life, there's not, you can never be 100% certain about anything. Oh, you lost me there. <laughs> you got me, lost me there. Stop! I thought you were going to go into like my decision-making um, process or something. I was, I was going to, I was going to, I was going to, should we carry on from that point? If you're up for the challenge. Okay. Sure. So, Princess, when you walk into the middle of the road and there's a car speeding towards you, you make a quick decision to move out of the way of that, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah. So what is it about this decision that makes you feel like you need to take some more time and you feel and that makes you feel like it's impulsive, even though you've been wanting to do this for five years and you've been watching our YouTube channel for two years? The fact that I'm not about to die and I can take time to think about it. Can you? Well, yeah, nothing's going to change if I come back to you tomorrow. No, nothing is going to change if you come back to me tomorrow. But we've already spoke about what will change if you come back to me in a year or in 10 years time. And the same reason that stops you from doing this before is going to stop you from doing it again. Do you remember when we spoke about how that you've made the right decisions you've got from here to here? But to go from here to here, you have to become a completely different person. and You need to adopt new processes in your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Point. What, and, and what do you think those processes might be that you need to adopt? I don't really know. Okay. Well, at the end of the day, princess, we all make choices that are either going to bring us closer to our goal or further away from our goal. And do you feel like deciding to do this to deciding to do this today with us is going to bring you closer to the goal or further away from the goal? Closer, 100% closer. Okay. And princess 2.0 who's making 10k a month in say 10 years time if you were to get in a time machine and go and speak to her right now, what decision do you think that she would tell you to make? Oh, I mean, she would tell me to go for it and stop procrastinating. So what decision do you need to make? I need to go for it and stop procrastinating. Drops, so Mike. What, so what, what, <laughs> what, type of, what type of card would you like to use? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice one. Nice one. This That was really good, especially for not having much time to think. It's just knowing that people will listen to this. <laughs> it's hard. Wait, hold on. So the pressure of the audience listening to it just made you perform like elite levels. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> so here's so. what we need to do then. Here's what we got to do then. Live stream all of your sales calls on Facebook. <laughs> 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 so you can close every deal. That's the plan. And then just stop it right before you take the credit card info. Mm. They'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell the prospect as well. So this is live stream, by the way. Yeah, this is live this stream. Is live. So do you want to be a chicken or not? Like yeah. everyone's going to see like crap your pants if you do. Yeah. So. <laughs> are, you ready to, are you ready to put a line in the sand or not? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. As the guest of honor, can you propose the challenge of the week 
every week I challenge listeners to do something, something to move the needle toward being the leader they want to be. So that way they can achieve the results they want. So what's your challenge? What can you propose? My challenge to closers who are currently not doing what I'm about to say is to not accept wishy-washy answers from the prospects. If they don't give you a straight answer on any part of the call, like do not pass go. The moment you accept that is the moment that they know subconsciously that that they don't have to follow your lead. Amen. Poetic snaps again. This is probably going to be a nightmare in editing, but poetic snaps. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Yes. That's a really awesome challenge. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming on the show. This was an amazing conversation. I know the listeners got so much value, so many gems. Guys, like run this back, listen to it again, because he just casually dropped a lot of gems in here. Thank you so much for coming on. This was great. If you haven't yet rated this episode, please give it a thumbs up if you enjoyed it. I appreciate all of your feedback. And of course, as always... Don't forget to hold yourself to a higher degree so you can be the most effective leader you can be. Until next time. Bye, guys. Thank you for having me. See you soon. Of course.